Welcome to Mission Sunday and how wonderful it is. You know, who needs all this fandangled uh, technology and screens when you've got Nathan Barlow? <laughs> wow, how exciting is it to uh, just be part of something that's touching the whole world from this place? It's fantastic. You know, when we look at these people, like these people in Liberia and Nepal and, and all these places we're in, um, what's amazing is we, we know these people. <laughs> like, um, like I personally met many of them at conferences and, or, or even missions trips. I've been on five missions trips. I encourage you to find an opportunity in these coming years, you know, and um, just, just get there and uh, meet these people. They're awesome people. And, uh, but you know what? There's something different about these people. Everyone I've ever met um, that, that in these places that doing such precious works of justice and the church planning and the gospel is they're kingdom people. They're not just like a normal person in the street. They're really not. There's something about it, you know. And uh, they live for a king and a cause. They really do. They live it. They, they get the kingdom. Not everyone gets that, but they do. But put yourself in their shoes for a minute. Um, those champions all over the world, every many continents doing awesome work. What do they see when they look at us? <laughs> this might surprise you. And they say, there's something different about them. They're not the average person in the street. They're kingdom people. They actually say this and they, they honour us. I think they'd like to honour us more. You know, they, they say, not all churches are like this church. <laughs> Remember, they can't do... Everything they do without our support. So um, they say, they would say of us, they get the kingdom. They get that there's a king and a cause. But not everyone gets the kingdom. Some just don't get it. Just don't get it. It's not surprising. I mean, um, God said back in Isaiah, he said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways um, your ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. So guess what? He is saying just our normal humanity, reasoning and working things out and wisdom and knowledge, you're not going to get it. You can get on the way and see things and things, but you're not going to just get it. I know many good people that just don't get it, what we get. Or a lot of people just can't get what God wants to give them, wants to give them. Jesus said, uh, Luke 12, 32, he said, Do not fear, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants to give the kingdom. The message paraphrase says, Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. This is Jesus speaking. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. But for whatever reason, sometimes we just can't get it, what he wants to give us. Whether our, I don't know, our life focus might not be positioned properly or we just don't have that capacity to receive or we just don't know how to. Let me tell you, this message is called Get the Kingdom. <laughs> And um, I think it's good to look at people's lives who do get the kingdom, okay? <laughs> you know, all these workers across the earth or our wonderful pastors and leaders that God has placed around us. I mean, I just look at Nathan Barlow. I think we should look at his life tonight. Let's unravel that in depth. 
so we can, you know, actually maybe we won't tonight. We'll save that for another message. But for now, let's look at Paul the Apostle. These are just some simple key thoughts we're going to share tonight because let me tell you, he got the kingdom more than most people that have ever lived. <laughs> and uh, he, you know, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Or another version says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, can you say that? If you get the kingdom, you need to stand up and say, you follow my, whoa, big responsibility. But that's what he said. So he, let me tell you, he gets the kingdom and he just did more and uh, was responsible for ushering in the kingdom in ways that blows our brains. So tonight, I just want to look at three gets, get, 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 that in no way is this exhaustive. I think we could study just Paul's life and get 50 gets of how to get the, get the kingdom, you know. But um, there's three gets. Get. If we get this, we'll get the kingdom. If we get this, we'll get the kingdom. If we get this, we will get the kingdom. In fact, they're all very intertwined, to be honest. But uh, first one's a big one. And I'm calling this get converted. <laughs> it's a big word, converted. Don't just, don't just try and be a good person, okay? You're not going to get the kingdom. Um, don't just go to church. As nice as that is, nice people here. Okay, nice people are. But you're not, gonna just, you're not really going to get the kingdom. Um, don't even, dare I say it, don't just get saved. Yeah, I don't want to offend too many people here. But um, don't, just, don't just become a Christian. Don't just know. That, that's, we're looking for something radical. We're looking for something biblical. And we're looking for something powerful. And we see it in Paul. Because that conversion, by the way, Paul's name was, first of all, Saul, just in case you didn't know. And uh, that conversion of Saul, who became Paul, is one of the most dramatic events in the New Testament, full on. And it set off a chain of events that quite literally changed the course of history. We're talking a conversion, man. And uh, Saul, that, that early persecutor of the early church, like incredibly, um, became the Apostle Paul. An extremely important tool in God's hand for the spread of the gospel. You may not realize this, but there's something in the heart of God that wants to use you as a tool in His hand for the spread of the gospel, for the kingdom to come. Now, I looked up the definitions, they're a bit lame to be honest, but uh, I looked up convert. That's what all good preachers do. They go, oh, let's look up a definition. And I looked up convert, and it says to adapt something to make it suitable for a new purpose. Well, fair enough, fair enough. But I don't know, when I look at this conversion, I think it's more of a, not just an adaptation, I think it's a knockdown and a rebuild, (laughs) a full one. In Saul's situation, this guy was literally knocked off his high horse (laughs) of self-righteous religious works. He was blinded, humbled and led by his hand. Now, he thought he had been doing the godly and right thing. He's a very religious man, um, destroying these Christians because this new, all oh, these followers of Christ, of Jesus Christ, was bad to the Orthodox Jews, and he thought he was—he literally oversaw the killing of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. And as they laid their coats at, Paul, at Saul's feet, and um, as they stoned him to death, and it says he approved of them stoning him. 
whoa. So, yeah, we're not just talking about a little adaptation of that man's life. No, we're not. <laughs> so let's go on a bit of a read here. In Acts chapter 9, it's a great story. And in your Bible, you'll actually see it in a lot of them. There's a little heading that actually says Saul's conversion. So it's a big word. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He's like that really bad character in the Marvel movie. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. And that was the message. I am the way to God. You don't need to continually follow all these rules and, and things. No, you believe in me and I am the, the, the only way to God, which upset them so much. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And you know what they're going to do at Jerusalem. Stone them to death. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Paul is knocked on his Lord. He says, who are you, Lord? He knows someone's something, someone's. And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. This is Jesus speaking to him. <clears throat> now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Saul had an encounter with Jesus. <laughs> oh, we've got encounters coming up, by the way. A couple of weeks' time, there's a ladies' encounter. You can register tonight online. Register this week. It's a men's encounter, 10th and 11th of November. So there's encounters coming up. Who knows? You might be knocked off your horse, but no. But you will encounter Jesus, let me tell you that, if you come with his heart here. <clears throat> but um, now he didn't really understand what was going on, but he knew someone from God from heaven, was speaking to him. He said, who are you, Lord? And that's, that can be a part of our conversion experience. <clears throat> Something going on in your life. Is this God? What is this? What is this feeling, this thing? Jesus revealed to him that it was him speaking, Jesus. <clears throat> he told Saul, go into the city, which he obeyed. Interesting. Jesus tells him to do something, he obeys. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> and then he said there would be other things to obey. He says, go there and find out what... You is next to do. Isn't that interesting? Obedience. We heard an unbelievable message about <clears throat> our journey of obedience this morning. If you missed that message this morning, you can get it on YouTube, podcast, etc. Um, <clears throat> just interesting that Jesus is speaking. Is it you? And there's obedience involved. Um, but he had to be led by others. You know, when we're converted, guess what? God puts someone who's, who leads us. We have leaders he puts in our life. Interesting thought. I'd never seen that before. And he had to be prayed for by others. I'm telling you, wow, how could I not have seen this in this story before? God puts leaders and people who pray for us in our lives to see, a con see us converted. <clears throat> it's incredible. Sometimes when we as the leaders are leading and praying for people, we might have no idea what God's going to do through that person. This guy certainly didn't. His name was Ananias. And God uh, speaks to him and, um, you know, says, go to this street in 
straight street and pray for this guy called Saul. And he goes, ah, no, Lord, I know what this guy is. Acts 9, but the Lord said to Ananias, you go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name. It's not a fun part of the calling, but anyway. But um, so, so Ananias did, prayed for him. Verse 18, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul sent several days, spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. That's a conversion. Look at all these things in that. It's incredible. All laid out for us to look at for 2,000 years. Read this story. So now he was focused on Jesus, focused on others, and focused on spreading the gospel. <laughs> he had an encounter with Jesus. Scales were removed. And he now saw life very differently. That's getting converted. And he's not alone. You read in the bot like um, Simon Peter, Jesus, one of his main guys that he was discipling. Simon, he said, Simon, and Simon, the actual name, Greek, Aramaic, means like pebbles, pebbles, actually like a pebble. He says, Simon, I say that you are Peter. Peter means the rock, Petros, the rock. And uh, so he, you talk about, uh, and that was a journey for Peter, let me tell you. In fact, Jesus said to him, he says, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that you would return and strengthen your brothers. And he became the great rock, the apostle Peter in the New Testament church, an incredible rock. You read his letters and his life, I mean, this is amazing. He got converted and he got the kingdom. I mean, these others, Jacob, even in the Old Testament, Jacob and Israel. Jacob, uh, Jacob changing to Israel. Yeah, Jacob was a dodgy, self-focused con man, self-entitled kind of a guy. And there was a night when he wrestled with, well, we believe it was the Lord, but wrestled with this heavenly being at least. And guess what? All night, and then he was touched, and he was changed. His name was changed. Not only that, but his whole character was changed, that the purposes of God become a single-eyed situation. That's getting converted. Can that happen to you? You better believe it. Do you think that might be God's will for you? <laughs> yes. There's no... He, the, <clears throat> his purposes. Look, we've got our own stories. My whole life is a story of these things, this wrestling and um, transformation and God saying things and then becoming that and growing on that. And we've all got these journeys. It's called getting converted, not just getting saved. We're getting converted. <laughs> it's powerful. How are you going with your conversion? Mm. Often it's in our thinking too. Romans 12.2, it's Paul writing all this. Paul writes, don't conform to, conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. That's my word for converted. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. So we're talking about our thinking and we inherit a lot of that. We're influenced by the world around us. All kinds of things is, but we want God's ways and thoughts. We want to be transformed by renewing our mind. 
And Paul just, even though he had a lot of stuff happen in a few days, can I just say, way more than many of us, he did not just 100% get fully transformed into perfection in those few days. Because Philippians, years later, he writes, not that I have already obtained all this. I've not, I, have, I have not already arrived at my goal. I'm not there yet. Still being converted, transformed, transformed. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. It's an ongoing process. But one thing I do, we can all listen to this, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see why we were told to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ? He's a great model for getting the kingdom. Now, our journey can take years. It can take decades. Um, ongoing work of discipleship and all kinds of seasons in God, all kinds of things to fully turn us from non-Christians into totally committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we're talking about. So get converted. <laughs> Let God get you converted, then you'll get the kingdom. You'll get it. You'll get it. That's a big one. Second one, all entwined, is get God's grace. This is a biggie. It was huge for Paul in all kinds of ways. and needs to be huge for, for us. Paul had been rules consumed. Um, he called himself the Pharisee of Pharisees. Self-righteous. He actually said once, he said, according to the law, I was blameless. Incredible insight to all of that. This grace gave him many things. It gave him a salvation theology. And it was Ephesians 2. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. In Romans 3, he says, Therefore, no one, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, through the law, this is what he worked out after all these years, um, when the scales were removed, all the law does is make us conscious of our sin. But now, aside from the law, I'll go down and says, now there's no, this is him saying this, now there's no difference between Jew and non-Jew, Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. See that theology he's got, that's his worldview framed, fantastic. But that grace also gave him a testimony. He wrote to his um, young pastor, Timothy. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, we know his story, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace, he's getting the grace here. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So the grace gave him a testimony. It also gave him, grace gave him a calling a calling. In Acts 20, he says, however, this is Paul talking, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's a calling. This guy gets the kingdom, I'm telling you. That grace gave him inner strength, an incredibly challenging life that he had. 
He says, three times, he writes to the Corinthians, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. This guy had one of the toughest lives you'd hear about. Remember what he said at the start. He said, I'm going to show him how it's part of his journey. He has to go through all his suffering because there's a grace there for him. Not to say we all called to this stuff like Paul is, but the key here is, but God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. He, and Paul says, therefore, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. All these things that were trying to take him out. I delight in the weaknesses, the insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That grace gave him an inner strength that we need today. I'm telling you now. It gave him an inc- grace gave him an incredible ministry. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 15. I'll make this fast. Paul says, this is fascinating. So it's not often when you hear about God, yes, we're saved by, we're saved by grace. That's great. That's not full conversion that we're talking about. It's not getting at God's grace. It's not getting converted. That's where it starts and all these other things come into it. With Paul, all these other things. And then he says, for I am the least of the apostles and don't even deserve to be called an apostle. That's what he's saying. Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Listen, and he's talking about the other apostles. He says, no, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I just find that fascinating. This guy got the kingdom, I'm telling you now. He, so we get converted. No mucking around, no fluffing around. Lord, convert me, transform me. We get God's grace. Let the grace of God make you a champion. You know, there's times when God's purpose, I think, is to break. We can say in our hearts, God, I have strength. I want to use it for your will, for good things. And God comes along. He certainly said this to me and said, my purpose is to break down your strength and replace it with my strength. That's the grace of God. The third, so we get converted. We um, get God's grace. And the third one is we get to the action. From the time Jesus touched Paul, there was action, kingdom action. As soon as we read before, as soon as he could see again, he got up and got baptized. Action. When he regained his strength, that scripture said, he immediately went and spent time with the disciples in Damascus. And then it says, next verse, what we read earlier, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And from that point, it seems that everywhere he went, there was action, kingdom action. I'm just going to throw this bit in here because I, I don't have the scripture up here for this, but I fascinatingly find, because I'm on a journey with this myself, Paul was a tent maker. Now, <clears throat> a lot of our modern church leaders, outstanding apostles and whatever they, they might you know, refer to one another as, um, <clears throat> A lot of people would say, you know, the day of the tent-making apostle are gone. Well, our missionaries that we support across the world, they would know. (laughs) The day of the tent-maker is here, friends. 
Our friends who are planning churches, church planners, we've just been down with David and Joelle in Canberra. The day of the tent maker is here, friends, believe you me. Some of the most exciting things happening are people uh, who are, are working in the midst of, of incredible things. And in Acts, 1, Acts 18, or just, it's not up there, it says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. So Athens was not good. He tried all the head stuff, debating with the philosophers. Not much fruit in Athens. He went to Corinth and he met a Jew named Aquila, so a Jew, um, with his wife Priscilla. And it said, Paul went to see them because he was a tent maker as they were. He stayed and worked with them. I'll just flag that. This is probably a whole separate message, to be honest, but I couldn't help but throw this in because there's action. So next thing, you, when you read through the Bible with Priscilla and Aquila, his fellow tent makers, they're Jew. there's no mention of them being believers, first up. Next thing you know, he takes them to Ephesus. He leaves them there where they do great work in the church. He greets them in a, in a later letter when he's writing to the Romans. When he, he's one, the last letter that Paul ever wrote was 2 Timothy, and he greets Priscilla and Aquila. There's this lifetime fruitful ministry come out of the fact that he was working with them. There was a connection there. What I'm sort of alluding to, today, people in our community need tent makers. Um, you know, sort of the TED Talk, Christian leadership culture, it would say that the days of these tent-making apostles, no, they're gone. I disagree. I'm learning the exact opposite is true. Words and media are one thing. God can use all that. Demonstrating kingdom action is another. And uh, this means a lot to me because it, I'm just uh, wrapping up here shortly, but I'm going to share something that was spoken to me 23 and a half years ago, because I looked up the date of this thing. I went to a little, little church plant service in March 2000 in Parramatta, and there was just a visiting pastor there from America. Lovely man, reminds me a little bit like Pastor Messer, that kind of man, very respectable man. And at the end of the service, and I was at that stage, look, I just finished Bible school and college. Knew God was doing something. I didn't really know what it looked like, didn't know, whatever. And, uh, but God knows what's ahead, and he knows what he wants for his, in his kingdom and our role. And this, this man called me forward. And back then they had little things called cassette players. And uh, they recorded it. And it, uh, anyway, you know what this man says? I'm just going to make this real quick. He says, he, he, he prayed and prophesied for me, right? And he said, I hear the Lord saying, I want you to attack the mountain. I want you to not hold back and wait and wait and wait and wait for the things to get just right. I want you to set your eye towards a thing that I've already put within you. This could be said to any one of us, by the way. And you take the risk that I've already made the way straight. I'm already working the impossible. And I'm giving you the capacities to overcome the difficulties that seem so big. Don't stand any longer saying, God, make changes, make changes, make changes. I want you to start affecting the changes. Get your shovel out and start digging. Get your courage on, courage, and attack that mountain. You flatten it out and I'll help you. There's been so many lies that have come to you because that says you can't because, because, because. The Holy Spirit says, I don't care about the because, I care about the action. Get to the action and I'll help you. Stop standing and praying all day. Get to it. Now, who on earth would have known when that man said that? It was like, whoa, I know that that encouragement is from God. But what? Who on this 
earth except for God would have known that that was speaking into a season of life that I'm in right now in this town serving with Westcare and there's all kinds of things going on. That means more to me than I could possibly explain to you now. And that's the kind of thing, if we're going to get the kingdom, somewhere in that we've got to get to the action. Not to say we go prematurely. There are seasons, there are times, there's there's all kinds of things. Yeah, sure. But somewhere along, sometimes it's it's getting up and getting baptised. That's the action. Sometimes it's getting and getting around the disciples, getting discipled in the connect group, getting that. That could be your step of action. Seriously. Sometimes it's just like, okay, God, I just come and get me. <laughs> Save me, use me. It can be that, especially our young people. Just even flagging, as you're in this season of preparation, wherever you're at, these are times when God is coming to you and saying, I, I want to give you the kingdom. I want to use you, utilise you as a tool, just like they, he did with Saul. He had plans for him. Saul wouldn't have known. I speak to all these young people today, kids at schools. They've got no, half of them. <clears throat> have no idea what they want to do, and that's okay. Even the ones who do know what they want to do, we'll just stay tuned because sometimes God does incredibly. But it's, it's not about those things. It's about God. It's about, <clears throat> God, let me get your kingdom. Use me, utilise me. And that's how we act. That's how we serve. And on that day that comes, when He comes to you and says, well done, you good and faithful, servant. Let that be our closing remarks from here, our entering remarks, sorry, as we enter into that season of glory. So I just want to close this with a prayer. I know I'm over time here, so uh, He wants us to get the kingdom. He wants us to get the kingdom. Because it gets us, yes, Whenever he looks at you, he sees you like you'll never see yourself. But he doesn't just see you. He sees beyond you to all others. Even challenging and stirring for um, all these amazing works we're doing over the earth. But to support that, even uh, missions, just faith promise stirring. Who knows what's beyond that? those decisions you're making with your career and your where you're at now, it's like I talk to a lot of people, I get this sense that in their life there's seasons of fruitfulness in the kingdom that God has planned. They don't know it yet, but they know there's something there. Maybe that's where you're at. Just We discern these things as we talk to people and pray with people. His kingdom is coming. He said, my kingdom, the kingdom is within you. He just wants to all of our lives that we would get it the scales I see this now Lord His grace is there to enable that and enable us in that which ends in action fruitful action good hands indeed so let's just you know what let's just just bow our heads and I'll just pray a closing prayer Father God Lord we just believe your word we just Father, we just see what you do in people's lives. We see what you did in Saul of Tarsus. And we know your heart for that man. No one knew, but you knew. You had a plan. And Lord, as you just, you put all these things before him, all he had to do is get with the process. 
that you're laying before him. And Lord, tonight, every one of us, I pray on behalf of everyone in this place, Lord, help me get with the process that you're laying before me right now. Let me hear you speak. Let me hear that it's you speaking. Give me that grace that enables me to just obey, just do, just take the step, just shift myself, position myself, that we would get that which you are giving, to enlighten my, my mind. God, renew my mind, not just what I've inherited in the, from the culture around me, from my family, and but Lord, you open my eyes and you take me where you want me to be. I would get your kingdom. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.